In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, here it is, the end of August, and we are facing the back-to-school beast. Whether we're actually going back to school or not, it's still there with its insatiable need to have a season of order, right? To return to that season of fall feeling of order. We're scrambling to figure out how to get back to normal while we watch universities open and then close again and public schools all going virtual. Next week at Christ Church, we will have over 30 children here in six very separate learning pods. Even as we stand here today, protocols for cleaning, distancing, volunteers and diocesan building use requirements are happening. You know, it's a very life-giving activity though, a resurrection from the six dusty months of closure at this church. Many parents will continue balancing virtual homeschooling with job and home responsibilities. You know, not one of us signed up for this extra duty in March. We've all been thrown into the deep end and expected to swim in these uncertain times. There's a feeling deep down inside us that conventional wisdom has been broken by the pandemic. What we thought we knew has not served us. One father, Yuri Friedman, describes how in the early days, he and his wife created a brightly colored schedule on a whiteboard that they presented to their children every morning in imitation of the school that they were sure their kids were going back to any moment. So that whiteboard is now deeply buried under what he describes as the low-grade chaos that has become their COVID-contained life. Last spring, the young father was completely drained of ideas and exhaustedly asked his five-year-old son, I don't know, what do you want to learn tomorrow? So according to Yuri, this act of pure desperation became something more. What his son named was surprisingly existential. Yuri shared, I am unlearning so much of what I used to know. As millennials, we suffered through 9-11 while we were in school, the Great Recession when we were getting our jobs, and now we are parenting in COVID. It made me realize that our early childhood years were an anomaly, that systemic shock is to be expected, that our lives will be abruptly upended again and again. But I don't want my kids to be numbed by crises into incuriosity. Today, we are struggling to figure out how to transcend the old normal that failed us and how to address the existential challenges of our age. According to psychologist Frank Worrell, kids know something is happening, but they cannot see it. They cannot touch it. So what did Yuri's five-year-old want to learn? What is God? Who made the world? Does space ever end? How does the weather work? How does my body work? When will the coronavirus end? What happens when you die? You know, as I read Yuri's son's questions, I brooded for a couple days actually over how much of adulthood seems to center around what we acquire what we own, 
what we know, what we've read, what we've made, and not about admitting what we don't know or what Yuri names as unlearning. You know, the title of the article he wrote is, My Son is Looking to Me for Answers and I Don't Have Them Anymore. We can all relate to that title, I think. The new normal will fail us just as much as the old normal did if our questions are centered on us and not on God. We are the same people now as we were before the pandemic, and we will be the same afterward. We are sinners who never rise above the rank of human. We don't progress above self-centered, self-interested humans who constantly need help to not be focused on ourselves, to even think about God or others. Our obsessions with being masters of our faith, which the Bible calls pride, underlies our sins. They are the symptoms of being hung up on ourselves. You know, humility is the deep awareness of sin's continuing presence in us and in the world. And humility can also be described as becoming teachable. You know, Jesus tells us in our scripture today in Matthew, those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Jesus is speaking to what is called the old Adam in us, the one who feels righteous and will not accept blame for anything. Even Peter tells Jesus that he should not go to the cross, thereby not accepting the blame for our sins. Jesus chastises him and saying, you have no idea how God works. You know, the message translation is especially helpful with this scripture. Jesus tells the disciples, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Your true self is a forgiven sinner, touched by grace. So I knew a man named Sandy Beach, God rest his soul, who helped me with the practical part of this scripture. He'd say that losing your life means giving up all your old ideas, your whole game plan for living, all your convictions, every prejudice, every bias. He says... Or said, my life was like carrying around a 150-pound rock, but it was my rock. It was mine. It was this thing I had put together. This was the real me. I was drowning in a sea of self, and God was throwing me a life preserver and saying, drop the rock. And I said, no, man, I am not dropping the rock. It's mine. I made it. I put it all together. I thought these thoughts. I clearly remember the feeling that Sandy's describing. And I was holding it all together as a young mom. At least I thought I was holding it all together. I was holding on to my old ideas about being a good person by the standards that I thought had been set for that higher rank. Like we hear in our Romans text today, doing all those things, living up to that standard. The standards felt impossibly high. Nice orderly house, kind and nice to everyone loving husband and children, 
who always did the right thing the right way, getting to church on time and often and reading my Bible every morning and evening without fail. Don't let anyone see my anxiety or my struggle or my flaws because that would mean I was a backslider, not worthy of the name Christian. And I should be happy. But this produced a despair in me that was indescribable because I couldn't do this without a fragile anger and a really deep resentment at myself and others rising up. I was like Sisyphus pushing my rock up the hill every day just 10 more feet, and then I would be at the top of the heat. The next morning, I would need to get up and add more to-dos to the list, which was impossibly long for one human being to accomplish. I thought I was being a good Christian, one that Jesus would be proud of, hardworking and determined. Every time, however, that I found myself drenched in grace, it was because the heavy rock of self that I'd been pushing, flattened me because it wasn't my rock. It was God's rock. I had claimed this heaviness, but God will carry the rock for me, doesn't ever ask me to push it up the hill. The standards are impossibly high because they're divine standards, and only a divinity can satisfy these demands of love and faith. This is why I cannot save myself. This is why my life, my thoughts about who I am and what I need to do to be good, need saving, need redeeming. Why would I want to hold on to a life full of self-judgment when Jesus is offering me freedom, where I release the heavy rock of my life into the nail-pierced hands of Christ who loves me? Your self-interest will only get you more self-interest, not relief. As Yuri told us, our lives will be upended over and over again. But like his son, it can open our eyes to the reality of the unseen. This is called death of self, or the upending of all our sacred cows and old ideas so that the spirit can bring new life. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world, everything that should make you happy but doesn't, and lose the love and forgiveness? None of us has died to self on our own. Not while we're on this earthly plane can we ever achieve this. We will always be 100% sinner and 100% saint. And Christ will always be 100% on our side. Christ's lifeblood was given so that you would have a life free of carrying the rock of the law and be saved by grace. May our current desperation allow us to open our clenched hands and hearts to receive what God in Christ has given us, a life resurrected and free. This is the perennial good news of the gospel. And it is especially good news during a pandemic. Amen.